So last week, uh, I talked about courage to conquer. I showed you from Joshua 1, 1 through 9, where courage comes from and how to get it. Uh, number one, courage comes from God's continuous presence. Two, courage comes from studying, meditating, and obeying God's word. And number three, courage comes from relying on the Lord to come through. So this morning, we're going to be reading a story from Joshua chapter 2 about a woman named Rahab. But I want to set up the story by picking up from where we left off last week. So last week, we ended in Joshua 1.9. Let's pick up in Joshua 1.10 and read verses 10 and 11. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel to go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. Remember, this was right after the charge that God had given Joshua three times to be strong and courageous. Why don't we go ahead and pray over our time in, in the word. Father, we thank you that we can be strong and courageous in you. Lord, you said be strong in the Lord and the power of your might. And Lord, I just ask today as we read about Rahab and Lord God, the faith she had, I pray that our faith would increase. We know faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So Lord, would you speak to me and help me this morning as I present your word? And would you speak to all of us, Lord God, that we would have greater faith and the grace and the ability to apply it to our lives. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so listen, we're going to read through the story here in a minute as I go through. I'm going to give you a quick overview. If you're not familiar who Rahab is, Rahab uh, was actually um, a, a prostitute in the city of Jericho. Now history shows she wasn't only a prostitute, but she was an innkeeper. So Joshua had sent out two spies right after this, which we're going to, we're going to read about in detail. But he sent two spies out in the land to go check out the land that the Lord was given him, which was the land of Canaan, which is known as the promised land, which we know now as Israel. And so they ended up at, at Rahab's house. Now, again, she was an innkeeper, uh, but she was also a pagan prostitute. And we're going to get into that. But she helped these two spies. She hid them when the king of Jericho heard about the spies were in the land and, and they went, he went looking for them. Uh, Rahab hid the two spies and she put her faith and she made declarations of her faith in the Lord God of Israel. And she also put her faith into action by hiding the two spies. So that's what we're going to look at, that the faith that this lady that, that, that grew up in a pagan culture, that was living a life of, 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 of sexual immorality and that was, was uh, worshiping false gods, had somewhere along the way a change of heart and she put her faith into the God of the Bible, the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven and earth. Now, I want to give you a little backstory before we start reading um, this story. So you have, you see, I want to kind of show you where, how the New Testament starts looking at Rahab before I even get into the story in Joshua chapter 2. Only two women are personally named in Hebrews 11. If you're not familiar with Hebrews 11, it's known as the Hall of Fame of Faith. There's only two women, Sarah, the wife of Abraham, and Rahab, the prostitute of Jericho. Sarah was a godly woman, the wife of the founder of the Hebrew people, and God used her dedicated body to bring Isaac into the world. But Rahab was an ungodly Gentile who worshipped pagan gods and sold her body for money. Humanly speaking, Sarah and Rahab had nothing in common. But from a divine viewpoint, Sarah and Rahab shared the most important thing in life. They both exercised saving faith in the living God. So even though in the natural they couldn't be more further apart, spiritually speaking, they both put their faith and trust 
in the Lord God Almighty. Not only does the Bible associate Rahab with Sarah, but in James 2, it associates her with Abraham. James uses both Abraham and Rahab to illustrate the fact that true saving faith always proves itself by good works. James says without works, faith is dead. In other words, when we put our faith in Christ, our life and our actions should back that up. So the most important thing about Rahab, remember, is her faith. And that's the most important thing about any of us. Listen, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Did you know that? Without faith, it's impossible. You can do all the works you want, but you got to have faith. It has to start with faith first. So what kind of faith did Rahab have? And more importantly, what kind of faith should we have? Number one, we must have courageous faith. Now, last week I talked about courage to conquer, so it's kind of staying in that same vein. I kind of mentioned faith, but now we're going to look and start reading through the story of Rahab and why we see she had courageous faith and how it applies to our life. Joshua chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp to Acacia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house, for they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I don't know where they went. If you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flasks she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the shallow crossings of the Jordan River. And as soon as the king's men had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. See, both Hebrews 11 and James 2 indicate that Rahab had put her faith in the Lord even before the spies had got there. So we see from the New Testament, the way that they're talking about Rahab, she got some revelation of the God of Israel and she put her faith in them and then she carried that faith out with actions by hiding the spies. See, Rahab took her life in her own hands. You have to understand this. When she welcomed them in, and this was evidence of her faith, since these two men represented God's people, she was not afraid to assist them or their cause. Because we know at the time, any king, a monarch, if the king would have found out that Rahab would have, that she hid these two spies, she would have been executed immediately. See, Rahab, Rahab, I'm sorry, risked her life for her faith. My question to you this morning is, what are you willing to risk for your faith? Do you have courageous faith? You know, you may risk getting ridiculed, may risk getting called weak-minded. I was talking to two brothers earlier, and one of them said, man, I'm going through that right now. Simple-minded, old-fashioned, naive or gullible. You may even be called intolerant if you speak out about the truth of the Word of God. Amen? You ever had that where people were, where, where somebody wants you to agree with, with maybe a sinful lifestyle or just something wicked that's going on? And like, right, right, that's cool, that's okay, right? And you say, no, the Bible says this. And they call you intolerant or judgmental. But we got to be courageous. Now, I'm not saying to be judgmental. That's not what I'm saying. But at the same time, you can speak out about your faith and the truth of the word. And it may put you at risk. It may put you at risk of, of other things. You know, you may risk tension between you and a loved one. 
could even be your spouse, somebody in your home, a coworker. You know, stepping up and out in your faith probably won't cost you your life in this day and age, but it may cost you something. It may cost you friends, family, relationships. It even could cost you a position or a job. You know, Cassie, she was, she was, uh, I thought she was a little bit older in the first service when I said it, but I, I did some fact checking and I got a little wrong. She was uh, later in high school. She had a job. And I mean, look, she needed a job. She had a vehicle. She had insurance and a gas to pay and whatnot. And she just asked him, listen, I just need off either Wednesday night, Sunday morning or Sunday night, because that's when they had life groups back then was Sunday night. I don't need all three, just one. I just need to be able to go to church one time a week. And she repeatedly asked him and they continued to schedule all three of those slots. And eventually she kept asking him. So eventually they just took her off the schedule and she lost her job. She was willing to lose her job in order to stand up for her faith, amen, and to be able to come to church. Now, I get it, as I'm thinking about some brothers here, uh, uh, you know, she didn't, it wasn't her livelihood, so I know it may be harder for somebody that's a, that's a, the, the sole breadwinner in your home, I get it, but are you willing to risk something for your faith? Are you willing to risk your reputation? I didn't say that the first service, but I was talking to a brother that just a week ago, his wife had a baby, praise God. But let me tell you the backstory, and he just confirmed it even more. When he first came up to me, this is their third child, comes to church here, he's on the serve team, he's an usher. He came up to me and he said, man, something crazy just happened to me. I said, what's that? He said, I was standing at the door, he's ushering, he's serving, and I was looking outside, and I just heard she's pregnant and his name's going to be Mordecai. He went to his wife, who's also on our serve team. She's a lobby host. He went to his wife and said, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and said, you're pregnant. And we are the name of Mordecai. She had no idea she was pregnant. They hadn't, she didn't know. She, they didn't take a test or anything. She went, took a test. She was indeed pregnant. They did not take any ultrasound up until last Sunday morning when he was born. He just told me they were in the, in the, uh, the, the, the delivery room. The doctor came in, wasn't a regular doctor and said, well, what are y'all having? He said, well, we didn't take, uh, you know, ultrasound. We don't know for sure, but we feel like it's going to be a boy because we feel like the Lord spoke to me. And he said she was joking. She wasn't giving him a hard time. She said, well, I think it's going to be a girl. And in that moment, their baby boy was born and they named him Mordecai. Amen. Isn't that a powerful story? But look, he was courageous to speak up and even tell the doctor right there. I mean, isn't that amazing? The Lord spoke to him. I said, man, it must give you even more courage to know that you heard from the Lord. He said, man, I actually wish I would have spoke out even more. He said, you know, but I was a little nervous, you know, but, but he did. He told me, he told others, and he even told the doctor, hey, that's courageous faith. The Lord spoke to me. We're going to have a boy, and we're going to name him Mordecai. Now they got a healthy baby boy, and his name's Mordecai. Listen, as I challenged you, or encouraged you, and challenged you, to join us for three days of prayer and fasting. Look, I know Jesus said when you fast, you know, don't blow the trumpet. Don't tell people you fast. And I get that. But you know what? You could use it to apply what I'm talking to tomorrow. I, I hope you'll fast with us. And if you fast and lunch at work tomorrow, somebody asks you to go grab lunch. He's like, no, I'm not having lunch today. Well, man, why are you not eating? You can let them know because I'm fasting and I want to go pray and ask God to break this COVID that's happening in our society. Amen. And they might give you a hard time. They might laugh at you. They might try to push some boudin on you, but just say, no, I'm going to be strong and courageous, right? I don't need another link of boudin anyway, right? But seriously, but you can, you, you, again, you don't have to pound people with the Bible or announce I'm fasting. But when people ask you what you're doing, we can be courageous. We can be bold in our faith. And, you know, we may get ridiculed for our faith, but, you know, the totally opposite is true as well. Sometimes when people see our bold and courageous faith, it makes them interested in the God we're being bold for. Amen? In James 2.25, James saw 
that her actions as proof that she was a true believer. Listen, true faith can't be hidden long. Her faith wasn't hidden and neither should ours be. Amen? So, you know, whenever the time comes, again, with the love of the Lord, we all need to have this kind of courageous faith. Because, again, like I said about the voices getting louder, the louder the voices get out there, the louder that we should be as well. Not in a mean or ugly or judgmental way, but listen, we shouldn't be drowned out by the voices of the world when we have the truth and the love of God and the word of God inside of us. Amen? So come on, let's not let our faith, we, we shouldn't be covert or closet Christians. Amen? Let's stand up for the Lord. Amen? Number two, not only should you have courageous faith, but you need to have, we must have confident faith. Let's continue on in the story. Joshua 2, 8 and 11, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. We know what you did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River. Those people whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Amen? What a great declaration of faith. For your God, the Lord your God, is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Listen, faith is only as good as its object. What do I mean by that? Some people have faith in faith and think by just believing it's going to happen. It doesn't work that way. Others have faith in lies, which is not faith at all, but it's just superstition. You know, I read about a psychologist that uh, was, was leading a support group. And he told the people, you can have faith in anything. As long as you have faith, you can have faith in that soda machine over there. Well, faith is only as good as an object. That soda machine ain't going to help you out too much, especially if you run out of money, right? But isn't that crazy? That, these are trained psychologists that are, that are trying to help people and they're encouraging them to put their faith in a Coke machine. Faith is only as good as his object. And again, we can't have faith in faith itself. Our faith got to be in the Lord God Almighty, who is supreme over the heavens and the earth. See, Rahab's arrangement with the spies was a stirring declaration of her faith in the Lord. And, and when you look at the history, and again, like I mentioned earlier, you have to understand as a Canaanite woman, Rahab would have been involved in the fertility cult of Baal and would have worshipped him, and the, which is, he was the god of, of storm and rain, along with Astra, which was the mother earth goddess. Yet she recognized the Lord God as the supreme god of the heavens above and the earth below. What a powerful confession of faith from the lips of a woman who had been pr imprisoned by pagan idolatry. Let's look at that a little deeper. She asked, or I'm sorry, she believed in one God, not the multitude of gods that populated the temples of the land in Canaan at the time. This is probably the most powerful part. She believed he was a personal God because she said, the Lord, your God. You see that? She didn't just say some distant God out there, one of these multiple gods we have. She said, the Lord, your God reigns supreme. And she knew he would work on behalf of anyone who trusted in him. She believed he was the God of Israel who would give the land to his people. 
This God whom she trusted was not limited to one nation or one land, but was the God of heaven and earth. You see that? She knew like he's the Lord, your God, but he's a personal God. And she knew Lord of heaven and earth means I know you're the chosen people. But if I put my trust in the Lord, you know what? He's going to be my God, too. And I'm going to have a personal relationship and he's going to work on my half as well. Rahab believed in the great and awesome God, the one true living God. So my question to you this morning, even as believers that are sitting in church, what are you truly believing in? When the rubber meets the road, what are you putting your faith and your confidence in? Our confidence is in the Lord, our God, who comes from the witness of the word of God that's before us, the witness of the spirit of God within us, and what he's already done for us and through us. Amen. I said this again Wednesday, one of my favorite scriptures that us about prayer. Philippians 4 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Then thank him for what he's already done. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That fourth thing is when you thank the Lord what he's already done, what happens? Faith begins to rise up. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. It's not just the preached word from a pastor. It's like I said last week. It's that meditating on the word when you're speaking it. But it's also when you thank the Lord for what he's done, you're hearing the word of God and the promises of God of what he's done. And faith rises up in you. Amen. That's what we need to do. That's what Rahab did. Remember, you know, she was a, a lady that hadn't been brought up in that culture at all. So this point. The second part of this is what I really love. Not only was Rahab confident in who God was, she was confident that God could use her. See, remember, God is using a pagan prostitute who put her faith in him to fulfill the plans and purposes of his people. Think about that for a minute. The first person that God just strategically used when they crossed over the Jordan River was a pagan prostitute. It was some mighty man of God or some prophet. It was this lady so that she knew she was confident in her faith in God that God could use anybody. It's remarkable how God in his grace uses people we may think could never be used by him. If we're honest, sometimes we think God can't even save certain people because they're so far gone. More or less, turn around and use them to glorify him and accomplish his plans and purposes on the earth. Amen? Look at 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 29. Now remember what you were, my friends, when God called you. From the human point of view, few of you were wise or powerful or of high social standing. God purposely chose what the world considers nonsense in order to shame the wise. And he chose what the world considers weak in order to shame the powerful. This is my favorite part. He chose what the world looks down on and despises and thinks is nothing in order to destroy what the world thinks is important. This means that no one can boast in God's presence. This is what I'm saying to you today, ladies and gentlemen, my brothers and sisters. You may think God could never fully use you because of your past or even your present. People may have looked down on you and said you're nothing because of what you've done. You may even think that yourself. But Rahab's story in this verse tells us something totally different. Amen. You may have thought that, man, that you may have been told or you may think, Brandon, you don't know what I've done. And you're right, I don't. But my story, again, I've shared it many times, proves this as well. I would have never thought as a drug addict, an alcoholic, living an immoral lifestyle for most of my life, that I would be pastoring this church today. Amen? 
2 Corinthians and Rahab's story, or 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 1 tells us that God uses people like me and Rahab and you all the time. Amen? That's actually who he's looking for. He said he purposely chose these people. Not that he can't use people that are super smart or high social standing. He uses those people too. But you know what? People like me or like Rahab or like maybe you sitting here today, you may check out and think there's no way God can use me. But listen, you have a purpose and God has still called you to make a difference. No matter what you've done or what you're still struggling with today, if you put your faith, your confident faith in the Lord and that he can use you, I promise you, he will use you and you'll make a difference for his kingdom. Amen. You know, one more thing about Rahab, how God used her. This is mind blowing. So not only did he use her to get these two spies to go scout out the land and report back to Joshua. After Joshua and the Israelites conquered Jericho, which we'll talk about later in this series. A lot of y'all know the story about Jericho. After that was all over, he did save Rahab and her family, and which we'll read about in the third point here in a minute. She married a man from the tribe of Judah. And if you fast forward into the Gospels of Matthew chapter 1, Matthew begins to record the genealogy of Jesus, which is Jesus' human family tree. And Rahab is one of only five women mentioned in that genealogy. The Lord used Rahab to bring our Lord and Savior through her down to this earth. She was like the great-great-grandmother of King David and so forth and so on. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So you need to have confident faith in the Lord and confident faith in him that he still can and will use you. Amen? The third and final thing, we must have uh, first have courageous faith, confident faith, and the third and final thing is we must have covenant faith. We must have covenant faith. Joshua 2, 12 through 24. Let's finish up the story. Now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. This is Rahab speaking. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father, my mother, my brothers and sisters and all their families. We offer our lives as a guarantee for your safety, the men agreed. If you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us the land. Then since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for three days from the men searching for you. Then when they have returned, you can go on your way. Before they left, the men told her, We will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, mother, brothers, and all your relatives must be there inside the house. If they go out into the street and are killed, it will not be my fault. But if anyone lays a hand on these people inside the house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we are not bound by this oath in any way. I accept your terms, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet robe hanging from the window. The spies went up to the hill country and stayed there for three days. The men who were chasing them searched everywhere along the road, but they finally returned without success. Then the two spies came down from the hill country, crossed the Jordan River, and reported to Joshua all that had happened to them. The Lord has given us the whole land, they said, for all the people in the land were terrified of us. See, not only did Rahab have faith, these two spies had faith too. By the way, the name of this message is moving forward in faith. So the the, 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 the uh, spies were moving forward to take the promised land in faith. 
Listen, the New Living says that they made an oath with her twice. Actually, what they made, biblically, it's called a covenant. They made a covenant with Rahab. And what a covenant is, and it's an agreement between two or more parties with certain conditions laid out for all parties to follow. We find a number of divine covenants recorded in Scripture. God's covenant with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God's covenant with Noah, Abraham, and Israel. The Messianic covenant with David and the new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ. We also find human covenants such as the covenant between David and his friend Jonathan and David and the people of Israel. Before the two spies left Rahab's house, they reaffirmed this covenant they made with her. See, often in biblical covenants, God would appoint some type of a, uh, a symbol or a token to seal the covenant promise. Like, for example, when he had this covenant with the Israelites, all the men had to be circumcised. In the case of Rahab, the spies instructed her to hang a scarlet rope out of the window of her house, which was built into the wall. Now, the color of the rope is significant. The fact that it was scarlet red, just like the blood on the doorpost in Egypt marked a house that the death angel was to pass over. So the scarlet rope marked Rahab's house on Jericho's wall so the Jewish soldiers would protect it. The rope was a sure sign of the covenant that Rahab made with the two spies. How does this apply to us today? Well, just like the blood on the doorpost in Egypt and the scarlet rope, they're both types and shadows are a picture of the blood of Jesus. Just as they were saved, the Egyptians were saved during Passover because of the blood on the doorposts of the lamb. Just as Rahab and her family were saved because the scarlet rope was hanging down. These are all pictures of how we can only be saved through the blood of Jesus. We need covenant faith. In this new covenant, the Lord tells us about in Matthew 26, 27, and 28. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, Each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive sins of many. Hebrews 13, 21 and 20, 20 and 21 says, And now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will. I love this. You see, now we're talking about this covenant faith, which is a covenant with Christ through his blood. And Hebrew says to do the work that he's called us to do according to his will. Amen. This ties in to our second point, confident that God would use us. How can we be confident that God would use us if we had covenant faith with the Lord Jesus? Now, let me say something. A lot of you sitting here like, yeah, Brandon, I know that. I know we're saved by the blood of Jesus. And maybe some of you have been in church a long time. Or maybe you just started coming to church or, or, or just started uh, walking with the Lord or trying to practice your Christian faith. Let me tell you something. It's important to note that Rahab and her family were saved by faith in the God of Israel and not by faith in the rope hanging out of the window. The fact that she hung the rope from the window was proof of her faith in the Lord. Just as the blood of the stained uh, uh, lamb was proof that the Jewish people believed God's word through Moses during the Passover. What am I saying? The warning for us is faith in Christ in the finished work of the cross alone brings salvation. But faith in any token of the cross, uh, 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 it, uh, our, the, his covenant, is just religious superstition. Are you following me? 
These things can give no assurance of salvation or whatnot. I'm not saying it's wrong to have a cross or a cross have it. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. We've had crosses on the stage. But any token, any symbol of the cross is superstition and it's no assurance of salvation. Amen? Another thing is, many people today I have seen have put their faith in what's called in some uh, the sacraments of the church, like baptism or communion or things like that. Like we always tell people, explain when somebody gets baptized and I did a baptism, uh, you know, off campus at somebody's swimming pool, which by the way, if you want to get baptized, we have somewhere you can get baptized. Let us know. And we always teach it's not the water, right? There's nothing miraculous about the water. It's, it's city water from city of Scott that comes through the hose and fills up that thing. So we can't put our faith in the act. Those things are important. Baptism is extremely important and powerful. Communion is extremely important and powerful. But they're both symbols of the divine covenant that we're in. Are y'all tracking with me? Some people have even put their faith in church attendance to get them to heaven. Church attendance is a part of how we grow closer to God. And listen, believe me, I want you to come to church. I'm glad you're here. I've been trying to get more people to come back to church now for a couple of months. It's very important. But only a covenant... Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, this covenant faith that we have with Jesus will save us. Look what Romans 3.22 says. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. Period. And I'm not just saying period. There's actually a period in the sentence. But period. Right? We could only be made right with God by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. This is true for everyone who believes. I love this. No matter who you are. You know, Paul was saying the same thing I'm saying today. He was telling them, listen, it don't matter what you've done, Romans. And if you read the history of the Romans, they were some wicked people. They did some perverse things. But he said, it don't matter who you are. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, what he did on the cross, you will be made right with God. You shall be saved. You shall be born again. So as I close today, I ask you that question in here. Are you right with God today? You know, you can't have courageous faith or confident faith until you have covenant faith. You got to come into this covenant with Christ first before you can have any of those or the, the, the courage to be able to conquer. Have you tried to get right with God by other ways besides putting your complete faith in Jesus Christ? Like I said, all these things are good, but the tokens and the, 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 the sacraments and these things alone are not going to save you. It has to be a saving grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his son that whoever would believe in him. You think believe, that's faith. That word believe means to trust in him. That whoever would trust in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us right past the next verse in Romans 3.23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. It goes on to say that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Would you do me a favor and bow your head, close your eyes with me? Maybe you've been coming to church for a while and you, you've been maybe putting your faith in religious activities or church attendance, or maybe you got baptized at one time and you thought, man, I'm good, but, but it's, it's, it's the finished work of the cross. That's why when Jesus died on the cross, he said, it is finished. There's nothing else we can add or, 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 or do to make us more right with God than put our faith in Christ and what he did. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you don't mind, nobody looking around out of respect for others and reverence for the Lord, 
it made it clear when in Romans 3 that we just read, the only way you can be made right with God today or any day is by putting your full, confident, covenant faith in Christ. So if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure if I'm right with God today. There was many years that I didn't know I was sure. And you may know for sure you're not right. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of its sin. So if you're here today and you say, Brandon, I don't know if I'm right with God or I just realized that I've been putting my faith in other things except Christ alone, but I want to get right with God today. Nobody's looking around. That's you. Just acknowledge by lifting up your hand. Ma'am, I see your hand over there. Ma'am, over here, I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Young man over here. Hands going up in the middle right here. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Anybody else? Hands over here. See your hand, sir. Young people raising their hand. Love to see this. Children acknowledging. What a blessing. What a blessing. Hands going up in the back, ma'am. I see you over here. Anybody else? Thank you, Father God. Come on. God wants you to be in the family of God and enter into this covenant today. He made all the provisions for this covenant. We just have to trust and believe in him. If you have your hands lifted, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you'll be saved. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer. And you can pray this prayer uh, with us. The church is going to pray with you. Just say this, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for making a way on the cross to enter into this covenant with you. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I turn away from those things and I turn to you today. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now give me the grace and the strength and the courageous, confident faith to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And amen. Come on, let's celebrate with these that just made that decision. Congratulations, y'all. Congratulations to everyone that made this decision. Hey, if you raised your hand and you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a card in the pew right in front of you that says, I made a decision. Do me a favor. It takes probably a minute to fill out that card. Bring it to the info center in the lobby. If you don't have a Bible, we want to give you a Bible. We want to pray for you. Oh, man, what a great day it is. For the rest of you, why don't you stand up and, and let's pray as we close and ask God to fill us with a greater level of courageous faith. Amen? How many of you say, Brandon, I want more faith to conquer. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you give us this courageous faith as Rahab had, as the spies had, and so many others, Lord. And Lord, some of us are full of faith. Lord, I know you. There, there's a greater levels we can go to today. I pray that you would help us with that. You may be in here today and you say, Brandon, because of what I've done or maybe the lifestyle I'm living right now, I, I, don't, I don't feel like God could ever use me. Come on, that's you. I believe the Lord wants to change that. Just repent and ask him to forgive you. You're a candidate to do great works and make a difference. Lord, I pray for all those that wasn't confident before they walked in here that you could ever use them. Lord, I pray show them that you have a purpose for their life. Help them to find their purpose so they can begin to make a difference. Help them to live free of anything that may be holding them back, Lord. Thank you for all those that come to know you, Lord God, today. Give us that confident faith in you and that you can use us. Thank you for the covenant faith that we have to enter in and have eternal life. Thank you for the those that entered into that covenant today for the first time and for the rest of us. May we continue to grow stronger in our faith that we would be closer to you and closer to each other in all that we do every day. Bless these as they go, Lord, today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, God bless y'all. Hey, we love y'all. If you need specific prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, I encourage you to pray and fast with us the next three days. We'll have a prayer meeting here at 6.30 Wednesday night. See you then.